The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hello, good afternoon. Welcome on in to another edition of the Full Court Press. Man, what a whirlwind of activity in the NBA over the weekend. And it's continued today. More things have been going on uh, today. Some things involving the Utah Jazz. Uh, Utah Jazz did make some moves in free agency. And uh, another thing that's just just happening now, just this, in the last couple of minutes, Utah Jazz have announced that they have waived guard Haul Neto. Uh, they had to let him go because of cap space issues as they've been pretty aggressive here in this offseason to retool their roster. The Mike Connolly trade and then signing Bojan Bogdanovic as a free agent to join the team, shelling out some pretty hefty coin to bring these players on. Uh, we're going to talk in more detail about uh, the free agency that's been going on that began Sunday uh, late afternoon, Sunday night, and has continued into today. Uh, Dan Clayton with Salt City Hoops. He'll be joining us here in just a few moments. And then, um, yeah, we, the winners and losers so far in free agency. Uh, and there's some... Crazy drama that's that's gone along with these stories. Whether it's Kevin Durant, um, whether it's uh, Kyrie Irving situation, the Knicks. Um, yeah, check your Twitter account. I messaged you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, or Enos Cantor. Uh, by the way, so Enos Cantor came out and said because he's now headed to Boston. He came out and said, "Well, they only gave me six minutes." And so some guy tweets out at Damian Lillard and says, dude, what's wrong with management? Sheesh. And Damian Lillard says, sometimes, sometimes there's a chance to lose out on two people because you're waiting on one. What I can confirm is that my boy was not given six minutes. He was probably down to six minutes from the original 45. They gave him time. Yeah. And you know how Cantor is. He likes to stir it up. But, I mean, there's just a ton of drama. And, of course, um, we, are, we are waiting uh, on Kawhi Leonard, which is going to probably take maybe a day or maybe even two longer, if not longer than that. So uh, a lot going on still in free agency. Nothing is, nothing is. Uh, well, I guess there's still a lot of stories that need to be told um, that are yet un, unfinished. Uh, but yeah, yeah, Jazz have waiver Raul Neto. Now, will he make it back through waivers? I would say very unlikely. Uh, he's so good. Um, he's He's really able to get you an offense, get out of the way and stay out of the way unless he's unless there's opportunity for him to be able to be um, productive in that offense when given the opportunity. But for the most part, his job was just to get you in and, and, and then stand in the corner and, and wait it all out. Um, we'll get a hold of Dan Clayton here in just a couple minutes, um, and we'll, we'll get him on the air of SaltCityHoops.com. He wrote a great article uh, about the money situation, every team's cap situation heading into free agency, and it's it's updated actually throughout the very hour, and they they, they done a great job with that. Eric, uh, tell me so far when you look at let's start with the Utah Jazz, of course. Um, but when you look at this Jazz offseason, some are calling it the greatest offseason ever. Yes, agree. No, disagree. 
the greatest offseason in jazz history? Yes. I, I I have a hard time declaring that until the season is played out and we see the, the fruits of what's been taking place. But clearly it's been very aggressive. It, it Probably tra- the, one of the biggest trades the Jazz have ever done to get a top-level guy and the, to get a guy with, worth that much and somebody who is, you know, paying that or getting that kind of a salary is that type of a player. Uh, and <laughs> What are you laughing about over there? And then I think it is one of the, the – the, I think we look at Bojan Bogdanovic. Uh, I think that's – it's not really a name that a lot of people really know. Or I gotta be honest. I didn't know who he was. Yeah, I'm not I mean, gonna lie to you. I didn't know who Ed Davis was. I had never heard of Ed Davis. I'm not gonna lie to you. Yeah, it's probably not. You know, those probably aren't names that really resound with a lot of people. But when you look at what he's done in his career, that's probably the highest level. Which not really high, but still, it's one of the highest level free agents to come to the Jazz. I mean, when's the last time the Jazz had a quality? Free agent sign with them. Quality free agent sign with them. So they've you know, had free agents. Yeah, but they've but been it, lower level. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I, I as as I try to debate on this, you know, I I, I don't know because uh, everything else that the Jazz have ever had, they've either developed through the draft or they've traded to guarantee they get trades. those guys. I mean, yeah. free agents. The Utah Jazz are not a destination location for high-level free agents. It hasn't been. Even in the glory days with John and Carl, they had a hard time getting free agents to come and play with John and Carl. Anything that they wanted to to complement those guys, they had to do via draft or develop in trades. That's how they got Jeff Hornacek. They had to trade to get Jeff Hornacek. Yeah, no, and... And Jeff Hornacek, by the way, was a valuable one. But yeah, I mean, regards to free agents, I can't think of anybody right now. Brian Russell, John Stockton, Carl Malone, Greg Ultratag. All of those guys were developed jazz products through the draft. And then the one other component with that team that went to the finals was a guy that they acquired via a trade. Carlos Boozer may be the only other one you could think of that, but at the time, he wasn't really a big name. The Jazz made him into a bigger name. Yeah. He's the only no. one other guy I can think of that the Jazz got via free agency that was a significant player. Yeah, I'm with you. And the thing is about this is is what I don't understand is that without the big names, like there's a lot of people, analysts, Colin Coward, you you hear him every every morning on this station. Uh I think Wojnarowski, a, a ton of analysis or experts, quote unquote, from whatever outlet they are, have have quoted or have said that Utah now is a Western Conference title contender. I'm not so sure about that, and we'll get into that a little bit later. We will check here in uh, right now, actually, with Dan Clayton of Salt City Hoops. Dan Clayton joins Eric Franson and myself, Audrey Salson, on the Full Court Press here. Uh, and, and Dan, by the way, wrote a great article. In fact, it's an updated article by the hour of following the money, every team's cap situation heading into free agency. Um, Dan has been a very, very, very busy guy since, I don't know, <laughs> since the offseason started. Dan, thanks for joining us, man. Great to have you on. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's tough to keep up with all that's been happening in this wild free agency period. But uh, thanks for having me on to, to talk about it. My biggest question, Dan, this is not maybe a question so much it is a gripe. Uh, I, I Every year <laughs> you hear about the you can begin discussing and talking to free agents on this date at this time. And then once the clock rolls over, it's all of a sudden, bam, we have all of these contracts and agreements that are already agreed to. So right. how is this possible if you can't have official communication with these guys? Until those right. So, so either these teams and players are really fast negotiators or else some stuff is going on before the official date and time of free agency. I mean, look, I think everybody knows that it's been that way for a, a really long time. I think what's happening now is that teams and, and agents are just dropping the pretenses a little bit. So that's why there was a flurry of what must have been like scheduled tweets that fired off from um, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, Shams Charania of The Athletic and some other places like right at, at 4 p.m. Mountain Time yesterday. It was, you know, so-and-so's committed here. This team's trading this guy. This team's extending this guy. So obviously, I, you know, I, I think it's a little bit of a farce and you know hey like these these players are humans i guess they have a right to think about what they want to do and and to make decisions beforehand but yeah obviously the uh the nba probably uh can't be taken too seriously when they talk about tampering when obviously everybody's talking to everybody <laughs> before June well and it seems like the one guy who's like apparently obeying the rules here is Kawhi Leonard he's the one guy we don't know where he's headed yet <laughs> Uh, and I don't know if it's because he's like, these are the rules. I'm going to follow the rules. Or he's just, you know, he is the NBA enigma and nobody knows how to figure him out. Yeah, yeah. I think it's more the latter, honestly. I mean, you know, I've seen I've seen different, like, um, online betting markets that, that are handicapping the odds differently of where he's going to go. I've seen different sourced reports from national people saying he's definitely going to the Lakers. He's definitely going to the Clippers. He's definitely going to Toronto. I think the reality is just nobody knows with Kawhi. He's just a different guy. He seems to process decisions differently. Um, when all that flurry was happening yesterday evening, um, the, the word came out that Kawhi would not be meeting with teams on the first day of free agency, but would spend the next couple of days, quote, ramping up, end quote, his, his discussions <laughs> with teams. So, you know, he's going to take his time, and that's his prerogative. It's obviously a big decision. But in the meantime, the rest of the NBA has kind of moved on without him. Um, there aren't a lot of other big fish left. In fact, I, you know, Kawhi's really the only max-level free agent left. And everybody other than those three teams I mentioned, the Clippers, the Lakers, and the Raptors, have just gone about their plans and uh, and went ahead and made other decisions um, you know, not waiting on Kawhi. So really, whichever of those three teams he chooses, the other two are going to be left a little bit in a lurch because they've all been uh, kind of waiting on Kawhi while the music has stopped and the and the rest of the chairs have been taken in this big game of uh, NBA musical chairs. So let's start here. The Jazz let go of a couple players. We'll start with Derek Favors first. Obviously, that's a tough one for all the Jazz fans. Eight years of you know him giving it his all for these uh, for this franchise. Uh, they had to let him go. What did you think of the uh, them actually finding a way to get Derek into a team or a franchise that would fit so well for him? Give me your thoughts on that. 
Yeah, well, you know, first of all, they, they got a couple of, of minor assets back for doing that. But I think the the major impetus there behind helping Derek out was that the Jazz could have easily just waived him. And, and because his salary was non-guaranteed, that's a way that they could have opened up that same cap space to complete the moves that they have agreed to with. I'm sure we'll talk about why they waived favors and, yes. and what that created with Mike Conley and Boyan Bogdanovich agreeing to come in. But, uh, but, but yeah, they could have waived him and made those moves, but if they'd done it that way, any NBA team with cap space could have claimed him off waivers. He wouldn't have had as much control over his future, and he would have had to negotiate his way to whatever dollar figure the the team wanting him was willing to give him. This way, not only does he get to keep that seventeen point six five million that he was that, that he was uh, entitled to, but he really got to he and his agent got to find a situation in New Orleans where they wanted him, he wanted to be there, and the Jazz were able to facilitate his path there. And I think that's great, you know, for a guy who at this point is the longest tenured jazz man or was the longest tenured jazz man and who has been so synonymous with jazz basketball has, has really, you know, bridged the entire rebuilding process. He's the only guy left who, uh, who is left over from like the, the end. He didn't actually overlap with Jerry Sloan because Jerry Sloan resigned. And then that trade was made literally like a week later, but he's the last guy who played with, you know, Andre Kirilenko and some of those other guys from that era. So um, I thought it was awesome that the Jazz made sure that that uh, even though they were moving on from favors and that they had to move on from favors to make these other things happen, that they were able to do so in a way that, that he got taken care of and, and wound up in a situation he liked. So my question is, they, they got the assets. Do you know what assets they got? And could they have not traded back for money to, to help on the calorie or salary cap space? Is that not possible? Uh, yeah, like they really couldn't take any players back because the math was really tight on okay. being able to uh, to still complete. You know, they need cap space to complete the Mike Conley deal that they agreed to right before the draft, and they need cap space to accommodate the Boyan Bogdanovich free agent signing. Things are really tight under the cap to do all that stuff. That's actually why they had to let Howell Neto go today as well. Um, so, you know, yeah, they, they really couldn't take salary back. They did get the reports are that they got two second round picks back, but I'm not sure what the protection is like on those picks. It might literally be the kind of situation where one or both of those of those traded picks never even conveys to the Jazz. And it was more about just them helping him find a, a landing spot where he'd be happy. Here we're talking to Dan Clayton. He contributes to Salt City Hoops and a friend of the program always letting us know what's going on with the Utah Jazz. So uh, you, let's talk about Boyan Bogdanovich. Uh, the, the Jazz make this deal uh, to get him. Uh, is he – we were talking about this just before we had you on. Is he one of the, the biggest named free agents to come over to join the Utah Jazz? Or can you uh, think uh, of anybody that's a higher-profile free agent to join Utah? Yeah, honestly, I, I think that this is the biggest free agent signing the Jazz have ever completed. And and what I mean by that, like, you know, obviously Joe Johnson was a bigger name, but the Jazz didn't get him until pretty late in his career when he was like a 12, 13 point per game scorer. Obviously, the summer that they acquired both Mehmet Okur and Carlos Boozer, that was a big summer, but neither, but both of them were kind of on the way up and then they didn't really get good until they did 
they, they didn't really achieve star status until they'd been with the Jazz for a couple of seasons. Boyan Bogdanovich is coming off an 18-point-per-game season. The Jazz have never acquired in free agency a player coming off an 18-point-per-game season. He, from February on, when he was kind of thrust into the the primary role there in Indiana because of Victor Oladipo's injury. From February on, he averaged 21. And he, and for the season, he had 43% three-push. I mean, this guy's a baller. This guy can really play basketball. The Jazz were lucky to get him. I first heard When I first heard that the Jazz were interested in Boyan, it was kind of one of those yeah, they really like him, but I, you know, there's no way he's going to be available at their price point because you know, obviously they had the option to create some flexibility because of the Derek Favors contract, but uh, but they really didn't want to make a move that would have cost them additional depth, Joe Ingles, Dante Exum, etc. They didn't want to put those players in trades. So they were really looking at guys who they thought would be available in that mid to high teens range in terms of starting salary. And the fact that they were able to get Boyan at $17 million starting is, is kind of surprising. I, I don't think that even the Jazz a week ago would have thought that that was possible. I, I think they view him as roughly being in the same tier as like a Tobias Harris that just got max money to stay in Philadelphia. And yet, you know, Boyan is going to cost just a little more than half of that. It's it's a great signing and a, and a great deal for Utah. With uh, with Nettle being waived, officially just being waived actually just minutes ago, um, it, it, he can now go through the waiver system. Two-part question. One, was he waived for Conley's trade or for the signing of Ed Davis? And two, is what chances do you think it he actually makes it through the waivers and gets back to the Jazz? Uh, yeah, lo- both of those are loaded questions. <laughs> but, go ahead. Let one. it rip, man. We got time. Let's, let's tackle them. Um, yeah, so... Um, so the Ed Davis uh, signing, or, or I should say agreement, because none of these signings will be completed until July 6th Six, at the okay. earliest. But the, but the agreement to sign Ed Davis is with the room exception, which is available to cap space teams after they use their room. So, so the, netto, um, the netto amount shouldn't have anything to do with Ed Davis. Now, what it comes down to is the Jazz needed cap space to, again, complete the Mike Conley trade that involved bringing a big salary back in exchange for three smaller salaries. Um, and they need to be able to slot that first-year salary for Boyan at $17 million. So now, by my math, I'll be honest with you two, by my math, the Jazz could have done that and kept Howell Netto. Oh, then what so, are we doing? So, so here's the thing. I think what the, that means one of two things happened. Either my math is off, and that's possible because, <laughs> you know, I'm compiling my spreadsheets based on what I see reported. I, I, don't, I don't, you know, <clears throat> Justin Zanuck doesn't fax me a copy of contracts when they're done. <laughs> so, you know, at a level I'm guessing, and I might be off by 100,000 or a couple hundred thousand, and that could make the difference. But honestly, I think what might be the case is, you know, $2.1 million is a lot to pay essentially your fourth point guard, right? And when you are a team that enters the contending phase, like the Jazz for several years have been kind of in the talent acquisition mode and then the talent kick the tires mode and all those things. Well, now they're in contention mode where how you spend every dollar and how you allocate every roster spot matters. And I think this might just be the fact that $2.15 million is a lot to spend on a player when you have Mike Conley there. 
You have Dante Exum there. Donovan Mitchell plays some point guard from time to time. Joe Ingles and Boyan Bogdanovich can both run the offense for stretches, you know, in a pinch if, if guys are injured or are in foul trouble. So I think they just might have viewed it as a luxury, which then leads to the other part of your question, Ajay, which is let's say he clears waivers, which, which he may, right, at 2.1, that it's, he's not on a true minimum contract. So teams can only claim him off waivers if they have enough cap space or a large enough exception to take that that 2.15 million in. So if that doesn't happen and he winds up back on the free agent market, then do the Jazz decide that they can stomach a, a true minimum contract for Neto? Maybe. I think that could happen. But the fact that they that they made that move when my math says they didn't actually have to might mean that they're planning on using that roster spot in other ways and, hmm. and figuring out some depth for other parts of the depth chart. Hmm. Okay, so that was going to lead me to my next question. Do you think that how much more moves did the Jazz need to make to fill out their roster, or do you think that they're pretty much there with, uh, or do they still need to wait and see what these the second round draft picks turn out to be after summer league and uh, getting them into fall camp? No, I, I think that if the right guy says yes, so all that the Jazz have left at this point to offer are minimum contracts, minimum salaries. Um, if someone that they like says, hey, I'll, I'll come play on a minimum because I'm interested in what you're doing there and you've built an interesting roster and you're going to contend right away and that's more interesting to me than going and signing for a little bit more money elsewhere, I think the Jazz will, will jump on that. They won't wait to see how Summer League goes. The reality is that when you pick a, a guy in the last 10 picks of the NBA draft, you don't expect a big contribution right away. So, you know, while any of those three late second round picks that the Jazz just made might make the final roster. I do think that Utah will try to add another player or two that, that is a rotation caliber contributor, um, particularly at the power forward spot, I think is where they're a little bit light. Um, they signed Ed Davis, and, and I, I think that was a really shrewd pickup and helps lessen the sting of losing Derek Favors because Ed Davis is a really good backup center for the Jazz. He's actually, he's started most of his career, but for the Jazz, he'll be, you know, he'll be a backup to Rudy Gobert. But because he doesn't shoot threes at all, you know, I, I don't think the plan is to use Davis for a lot of power forward minutes. So that leaves them a little light there, and they might go out and see if they can get someone like Jeff Green or even bring back Tabo Cephalosha on a minimum. Um, they might look for one more wing on a minimum contract slot. And then, yeah, you might just see them take flyers on either their second-round picks or some other low-cost rookies, undrafted players that they think might be the next sort of Royce O'Neal-type player who could, who could come in and, and compete for you know, compete for spot duty and eventually compete for a role with the right amount of development. All right, so let's talk about the rest of the NBA. I'm going to ask you a blunt question, and I understand if you don't have answers because I don't think a lot of people do. What the crap's going on in New York? Yeah, New York, uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> nobody knows what they're doing. So it's weird, right, because they obviously missed on their main targets, their marquee targets, and that's fine. That happens sometimes. But then they're, they're sitting there holding the bag with $65, 70000000 million to spend on free agents. <laughs> and, in, and instead of, like, backing away and smartly thinking about, okay, what else can we do here with cap space, they just went out and gave $70 million to six players who were, like, below average starters at their position. So so they gave forty six million combined for just this season to Julius Randle, 
Taj Gibson and Bobby Portis, who all play the same position. They're all power forwards. <sighs> and Mitchell Robinson, their, their highly valued uh, recent first-round pick, he's a power forward. So that part's confusing. Then they go out and sign Reggie Bullock and, uh, and Wayne Ellington, two good shooters. But again, they're both shooting guards. They just selected a shooting guard in the most recent draft. And then they went out and added Alfred Payton, who some people like. I think he's kind of like a a point guard that is not for the analytics age. He doesn't shoot. He did, There are a lot of things. He's not an efficient scorer. So, you know, it was a weird <clears throat> 24 hours for the Knicks, especially from the standpoint that what we're hearing now is that a lot of teams called New York and said, hey, you've suddenly got all this cap space. Why don't you help us take some contracts so that we can get off some money and we'll give you some future, as- uh, some future assets and some, uh, some draft picks for helping us out that'll help you in your re- rebuilding project. And the Knicks reportedly basically said, no, we're okay. We're just going to go sign every mediocre power forward we can think of. So it's a, it's a weird set of decisions they've made in the last 24 hours. I, I live in New York, and you know, I walk around here, and uh, I had lunch with one of my Nick fan friends today, and <laughs> they're just all collectively rolling their eyes so hard that they might pull a muscle, an <laughs> ocular muscle. So we're we're seeing a lot of uh, national pundits, quote unquote, experts. Uh, quite a few people saying the Utah Jazz may be the, the, a lot of attention about the Brooklyn Nets and what they were able to pull off with Kyrie and Kevin Durant. But outside of that, a lot of people saying the Utah Jazz are winning the offseason. Would you agree with that? And and if not, who has won the offseason so far? Yeah, I, I think who wins the offseason is who ultimately wins the Kawhi Leonard sweepstakes. Um, particularly if it's Toronto or the Lakers. I, I think those are the two teams that if they get Kawhi, you know, they're, they're probably title favorites. If he goes to the Clippers, I, I think less so. I don't think they have quite the same supporting cast around him there. Um, but, but outside of that, you know, even Brooklyn's moves, like Brooklyn made some great moves, but, you know, they're going to pay Kevin Durant to rehab this year. So that trade doesn't really influence them on the basketball court or, or that, uh, you know, that acquisition doesn't really help them on the court until next season. They'll be better because they signed Kyrie Irving and they didn't get rid of, you know, they were able to keep Spencer Denwitty, Joe Harris, uh, Karis Levert, some other good young players. But, you know, I don't think they'll really be a contender until next year. And even, and even that depends on Kevin Durant coming back relatively healthy. You know, the Achilles injury is a tough injury to, to come back from at 100%. So really, I, I think no team influenced, the, at least to this point, influenced their 2020 title odds quite as much as the Jazz did in the last week and a half with, you know, the Conley trade and then the acquisitions of Boyan and Ed Davis. Um, that said, I you know, I still don't think they're title favorites. I, I, I think they have to see where Kawhi lands. Obviously, you know, Portland made some moves today and, and they were conference finalists. So they probably think they have a good shot now with, with Golden State's injuries and Kevin Durant leaving and the door being open in the West. Houston probably thinks that they're the heir apparent. Um, you know, <laughs> OKC has always been there. Like there are a lot of teams that are probably licking their chops right now and saying, oh, hey, the mountaintop is unguarded. Let's go make our move. But I don't think any team did more in the last two weeks to really change their odds on that than, than the Jazz did. They got 
to impact players, impact starters. Like they got two guys who are really good players at their position. And, and I think that they're going to be really interesting to watch this next season. Hey, what do you think those rookies do? Uh, I got to get that, like that Foreman right kid. Do you think he sees any time? Now? I know their bench is a little bit thin right now. Uh, what do you see in regards to bench depth and maybe what those uh, the draft picks can do? Yeah, again, you know, my my take on this is I sort of, especially with second round, late second round picks and undrafted players, I kind of tend to default to yeah. like, I expect nothing from them and then they are welcome to surprise me. Now, because of that, <laughs> I was like, I was a little slow to come around to Wesley Matthews, even though I was around that team, I was covering that team, I was in the locker room. I was kind of slow to realize that Royce O'Neal was as good as he was, because just because most of the time, if if a late second round pick or an undrafted guy comes on and plays really well, I kind of go, oh, that's it's probably really cute and nice, but a little bit of a fluke. And then, you know, they do it enough times and eventually we all take note. I think all three of those players will have a chance, certainly during summer league. Um, you know, the Jazz didn't make a first round pick this year. So summer league will largely be about those three guys. And then they'll have a chance in fall camp to compete for a roster spot and stay on the regular roster. Um, I also think that there's a good chance that um, one or two of them will wind up in the in the two way contract slots that the Jazz will have with the Salt Lake City Stars. Uh, and then for I guess how I ask that question, what is the most surprising signing so far that you've seen in this early part of the free agency? Oh, that's a good one. That that one you you caught me off guard with. I think um, I think again the Boyan signing would have surprised me, except I heard a few days ago that the Jazz really liked him. I, I didn't. I didn't think they'd be able to get to him without, you know, moving Exum into somebody's cap space or something like that. So that was mildly surprising. I think, um, you know, Jimmy Butler to Miami in a in a sign and trade that they just finally hammered through and, and agreed to. It's going to be a four-team trade because Miami had to offload some other salary. Um, that's something that, you know, not a lot of people saw coming even a couple of days ago. Um, we started to hear whispers yesterday that Jimmy liked the heat and he liked the situation and was impressed with how they treated Dwayne Wade and how revered Dwayne Wade is there. And, and that made him take notice of the culture in Miami. But before that, I don't think anyone really had Miami on the list of teams to watch hmm. for Jimmy Butler. Most people thought he would stay there, force a sign and trade to Houston or else wind up wherever someone like Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving went. I, I didn't I didn't see him landing in Miami on his own. Dan Quinn of Salt City Hoops joining us here on the Full Court Press with Eric France and myself, AJ Salves. And Dan, final question from me. A lot of people have been like, oh, I mean, looking at their five fingers and trying to figure out a starting lineup for the Jazz. What is your starting lineup for Utah? Well, you know, again, they're light at power forward right now. So if they get a starting caliber power forward or, or a, you know, at least someone who can nominally be the starter for the first five or who six would that be? Sorry, be who would that be? Like, what kind of names could you give us to maybe fit them in with the tight space they have financially? Yes. Yeah. Like uh, the athletics, Tony Jones has been talking about Jeff Green as a possibility. I, I think he was a, a stronger possibility when the Jazz still had their room exception available. He'll be a tougher sell to get at the 2.6 million veteran exception. But, you know, that kind of player, I think, could come in and, um, and, and assume the starting role, even though I think their closing lineup would probably be different. But, you know, I think regardless of who the quote-unquote starting power forward is, I think the lineup we're going to see a lot of and a lineup that is going to close most games is going to be 
Mitchell, Conley, Joe Ingles, Boyan Bogdanovich, and Rudy. I, I think that lineup is just so dynamic. Um, Boyan's 6'8", so he can he can be the power forward in some of those four-out lineups, and, and the Jazz can still rebound and defend pretty well across all those positions. Um, so I like that lineup. If it were me, honestly, if it were me, that would be the starting lineup if mm. I were the coach of the Utah Jazz. Yeah. I understand that they're still hoping to find a power forward that can that can allow them to use Boyan as a part-time three, part-time four. But if it were me, I would say, heck, heck that lineup is really interesting and really dynamic offensively. We'll see what they do. Dan Clayton, always great stuff. Appreciate the insights. And uh, folks, definitely need to go check out saltcityhoops.com. Dan Clayton contributes a lot of great stuff there. Thanks so much for your time. I know it's been a very crazy, what, 36 hours? (laughs) 24 (laughs) hours? Yeah, about 24 hours, actually. Uh, Officially or unofficially, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Touche. Yeah, Eric, Ajay, always a pleasure. Fun fun talking with you. All right, thanks, Dan. Uh, Yeah, my goodness. What a flurry of activity. And we're not done because there's still the, the big fish out there with Kawhi Leonard and where he decides to go. But big moves by the Utah Jazz had a lot of people taking notice and really giving high props to what the Utah Jazz are doing with their lineup and how they're remaking themselves. And, you know, he, again, a great article on on uh, on how the, the cap situation is going for all the teams. Big spenders, mid-level spenders, poor man's wavering. Uh, every team's cap situation heading into free agency. Updated by the hour by Dan Clayton and Salt City Hoops. It is good, good, good stuff. Dan's so good, isn't he? And, you know, I, I well, the thing that makes me about the interview is, and I and I said it out loud, and I kind of felt bad as I said it, is when he said we actually could have made this work without giving up Raul Neto. I was, and then you hear me, I go, "What are we doing?" You know, it's just, oh my gosh. But uh, hopefully things will work out where he can get him back. I'd love to have Raul Neto back. I think he's really good for the offense. Um, he's a decent defender. He's just really scrappy. Is what I like about him. So we are way overdue for break. Well, and he has said uh, he has made statements <clears throat> that he realizes he's had injury problems and he is changing up his off-season training routine to to get himself into position where he could be healthier to play a full season. Uh, just doesn't look like it'll be in a Jazz uni if he does that. Mm-hmm. All right, more to discuss about what's happened in the NBA over the last twenty-four hours plus. Uh, and how that affects the Jazz, how it affects the their their Western Conference, and some of the other moves that have happened around them. Uh, who were the big winners? Who were the big losers so far in NBA free agency? We'll also recap what happened with our pick six from the weekend, some of the other highlights from the weekend, and some sad news from uh, baseball world of a player who played at the Orem City Owls, a player who participated with the Salt Lake Bees, made it to the major leagues, and uh, news of his passing today, kind of shocking the sports world. So we'll talk about that coming up on the Full Court Press. The new home for the Full Court Press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric Franson, Ajay Salveson. It's the Full Court Press. 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, streaming online, 1069thefan.com. Every show we do, we post on on our website, but it's also pushed out on many different podcast feeds. Find us on iTunes, Spotify, and many others. So, uh, A great interview there with Dan Clayton with Salt City Hoops about some of the the moves that the Jazz have made, how that affects them, how that 
some other things that are going on throughout the NBA. We're still waiting on Kawhi Leonard's decision. But starting at 4 o'clock yesterday afternoon, uh, teams officially, quote-unquote, officially could start talking to free agents. But once 4 o'clock hit, it became the uh, agreement period with free agents, what became official. And so a lot of different moves were made, including moves by the Utah Jazz. They were not content with just the Mike Connolly deal. They went out and made another deal to get Boyan Bogdanovich from the Indiana Pacers. Now, here's a guy that, as Dan uh, kind of indicated, he was coming off of an 18 points per game season. He's six foot eight. He's listed as a small forward because he can go outside and shoot. He can handle the ball. But um, there may be times where he does play that uh, power forward position. But, uh, Ajay, I'm excited about this. He's a guy that uh, how he does defensively, I'm still not sure. Um, But uh, he averaged 18 points, four rebounds, two assists, and one steal. Yeah, no, it's it's good. I don't, like the whole like, Hey, this is an NBA Finals contending team. Hey, it's the Western Conference Finals. I don't see it yet. I really don't. I think they're going to be better. Absolutely. I think they're going to get past the first round for sure. The second round, I'm not so sure about, man. I, I And it's not to say I don't have any faith in in what Boyanovich uh, can do or what Conley can do or what Ed, what's his name? Ed Truck? No, that's Michael Scott's old Ed boss. Davis. Davis can do. There, there, I, I, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't try to disrespect that but I mean look you're still messing with teams like you know Damian Lillard, T.J. McCollum on one side uh, Paul George and Russ Westbrook are still on the other side you have of course Anthony Davis LeBron James, uh, Kawhi Leonard with parentheses and a question mark and two exclamation points there uh, the, the Western Conference is still loaded the East got better but the Western is still loaded and with that I, I don't know we'll see I'm uh, worried man in the playoffs <laughs> Bogdanovich, uh, he had uh, in game one against the Celtics, 12 points, two rebounds, one assist. Game two, 23 points, eight rebounds, three assists, and four steals. Then 15 points, five rebounds, four assists, and two steals. And then the last game, 22 points, eight rebounds, three assists. So uh, this is... I'm excited about this deal, about this this acquisition for the Jazz. What they do with the if 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 somebody comes in and wants to play big boy basketball, how well can the Jazz match up? Uh, if someone wants to do bully ball in the post, how well do the Jazz match up? That's that's a great question, and that right there kind of gives you the confidence of this team can hang with people because Ed Davis is a bully guy. Ed Davis loves to. Push around in the paint. He is not afraid to be physical. Gobert, same thing. Um, double Cephalosha, same thing if he has to be put in that position. Uh, if he comes back, if the Jazz resign him. I would imagine they would at this point, right? Because we're kind of lacking on depth. I'd be, they'd be crazy not to. Maybe I'm way off base in saying that, but at this point you'd almost imagine that they would. Um, but, yeah, I, I, that's a great question. I think that right there gives you hope that they can be a good basketball team. Hopefully, you can play some old 90s style basketball. Uh, Eric, I want to ask you uh, we know winners and losers in the free agency. Where Give me, give me a couple winners that you said, yeah, that team, 
definitely. But with the exception of the Utah Jazz, we've already talked about how good they're going to be. Others in the free agency. Give me your. Give me uh, two winners. I'm. I'm. It seems a little odd to say it, but I actually no. think the New Orleans Pelicans. Oh no, well, I'm with you. Absolutely, are one of the winners. Dude, I'm telling you, they're going to be contending. They'll be in the playoffs. Uh, not only did they land the number one pick of the draft, made that official. They also got Derek Favors. They got several other guys on their own. JJ Reddick's going there. Is Julius Randle still, or is he gone? No, he's. He would. That's New horrible. York. I just asked that. He went to but New York. I, okay. But I think that the the Pelicans actually made some surprising moves because I think a lot of people wrote them off like, yeah, they're going to be horrible. Mm-hmm. But they've been kind of aggressive and trying to make and some they things are happen. Super young to stay relevant. Yep, I would totally agree with you. Give so me one I, more. I like what uh, what New Orleans has done. Um, I uh, there's so many. I have to say Brooklyn because the, there was a lot of people were thinking that it was going to be the Knicks who landed <laughs> the big fish. But it was Brooklyn that made some surprising moves and were able to get Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant there. Um, so th- those are some that stand out to me right away. So let me give you the losers from my end, uh, from my opinion. Um, I think Portland, like, lost. You give up Miles Leonard, who actually was a very quality big guy, who was a good stretch, who could help you in about every way, you know, both perimeter defensively and in the paint. And they let him go for a saw on Whiteside. Um, I don't think that was a great trade. And in fact, when you, I mean, when you look at Miami's Twitter account, Miami's thrilled as I'll get out to do, get rid of him. Uh, I also, and this is an obvious one, but we already talked about it. But I'm going to hop in it again. What were the New York Knicks thinking? And, and, and by the way, the whole leak of coming from Woj and Ramona Shelbourne, Ramona first, that, the Knicks weren't offer, willing to offer KD the max based on they didn't know how serious or they had concerns over the ruptured Achilles injury. Who leaked that? Like, was that KD leaking that out to let everybody in the NBA know, look, I didn't choose New York. New York didn't choose me is what happened. I would have loved to go to New York. Knicks didn't want me, and this is why. Or was that the Knicks leaking that out saying, look, we were just trying to look out for ourselves. That is an and, – and to have no, um, what would you call it, uh, base to that claim, whether it was Woj or Ramona Shelburne. And if it's Ramona, she's already had her health, uh, herself in hot water with some of these things, claiming things before they were actually – whether they were true or not. If, if she went out there and said that with no base and that was just pure, look, we just think this is what's going on, that's not good. And you know what? When NBA free agents in two years go to New York, do you know what they're going to go to? They're going to go to Kevin Durant. They're going to say, hey, Kevin, did they really not offer you one of the best players in the world, the Max, just based on a, on a worry of your injury? And if that's the case and they say no, dude, New York's not getting anything. I know that they're, they're looking to the future, as their owner says. But Dolan has absolutely messed everything up over there. He is messing things up. Like, they talk about Houston being an issue or the Lakers being an issue with Magic Johnson. No, James Dolan says, hold my diet Mountain Dew. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and screw it up worse than you guys could ever think so. Dude, remember when, like, in February, the Knicks were saying, oh, Zion, KD, Kyrie. And then it was, okay, Zion and Kyrie or KD. Oh, okay, well, we're going to get KD. They went, oh, for gosh dang four, man. They didn't get Jack. 
yeah. they're trying to make an excuse that they're actually it's messed up. It's horrible, Eric. It's messed up. I think they they are one of the clear losers so far uh, in the off season. Uh, I actually I think that Houston is also one of the losers in the off season. Yeah, I would. Yeah. They're making some bold claims. Uh, they were trying to do damage control, and then they're trying to make it sound like all is well. But they want to make half their roster available to get rid of, and then they haven't really haven't done anything. Nobody yeah. is nobody's taken them up on their offers. Nobody's made made willing to to make any deals with them. Now, all these free agents are going elsewhere. All these sign in trades are not including uh, the Houston Rockets. So uh, I'm kind of interested. I, I kind of think that Houston is one of those teams that's on the losing side uh, of all this. Not to say that they're a bad team. They still have quite a few players that if they can get their their stuff together, where they can get along with each other, they're still going to be a very dangerous team in the Western Conference. But after all this bloviating about, oh, we're going to trade everybody, we're going to get uh, Butler, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to be the, the team in the West, uh, none of it happened. Well, and remember when they gave, gave away Chris Tapsporzingis? And then it was like, oh, yeah, we're going to create space for KD. You're talking about New York now. Oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I know. You're talking about Houston. My bad. Um, I feel like it's the same dumpster fire that they're all standing in. Uh, but when, they, when, when New York gave away Chris Tapp's Porzingis, they all thought they were getting KD out of it. I mean, I, you want to talk about like a lose-lose-lose situation? Knicks are in it. And you know what? I love your point. Houston's definitely in there. They've got a 34-year-old point guard who is as moody as they all get. And you got to pay Spending him still. Way too way much too money. Way too much money. And, but, and, but he's still getting that money. And James Harden's in this iso ball, and, and, you know, Chris Paul's making fun of James Harden's body, and James Harden is making fun of how short Chris Paul is. The owner is not buying the coach, and the coach is like, forget it. Like, that is an, I mean, they miss Dennis Lindsay right now over there. And they're never going to get him back. Um, another team that's a little bit quiet and hasn't done much yet is the San Antonio Spurs. Not to say that they're losers in the free agent market. You just thought they'd be more active. I just thought they they might want to try to do something a little bit more. That so, makes sense. I'm a little surprised by that. I mean, it's not over. Certainly, it's not over. It's only been the first 24 hours. It's been a very busy 24 hours in the NBA. But um, I, I just want to circle back to just how excited I am about the Utah Jazz and some of the moves that they have made. Yes, some fan favorites are moving on. But we've talked about this before. The enemy to, of greatness is, being, is good. And so the Jazz had to look at who is, who is good, who can help us to be great, and they had to make some hard decisions. So uh, let's hope it pays off. But certainly it, the, the moves that they have made, this Jazz team, very dangerous. you got a lot of guys that can handle the ball, a lot of guys that can shoot. Uh, you got multiple guys who can create. And so it's going to be a defensive nightmare for opposing teams when they face the Utah Jazz. Yeah. And again, defensively. And, you know, if Crowder could – well, excuse me. If Bogdanovich can get the same looks that Crowder was getting through that offense of Quinn Snyder's system, we'll have more success on the offensive end, especially in the playoffs. Nothing against Crowder, but, man, he couldn't hit an open shot to save his life against Houston. Bogdanovich, I don't think, will have that problem. I hope not. No. No, he won't. He'll be more of a contributor. Um, but, yeah, I, I like the lineup. Uh, the, the depth for the Jazz, still just a little bit in question about uh, especially the power forward position uh, and the, the backup point guard position with 
considering Dante Exum's health. Uh, but I think they made a, a clear move today in signaling where they think things are by letting by waving Al Neto earlier this afternoon. All right, going to step aside. When we come back here on the other side of the full court press, a uh, sad story today. Uh, a baseball player in the major leagues who had his early beginnings of his professional career in the state of Utah. We'll update you on that and what happened with our pick six over the weekend coming up on the full court press. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric Franson, AJ Salveson, it's the Full Court Press. You know, I'm I, I'm not a big fan of Darren Rovell because I think he's a me, me, me kind of guy. But some of the stuff he tweets out is actually kind of interesting. Nets ticket staff telling fans that the cheapest season ticket available at this time is blank a seat. Eric, your guess. The cheapest ticket for a Nets game for a per seat is what? Uh, 25 bucks. Try $4,000 a seat. What? The cheapest season ticket available at this time is $4,000 a seat. Are they only releasing, like, lower bowl, first two rows? Court side? I don't know, man. That's (laughs) how KD play next year. That is ridiculous. Uh, Hey, sad news today in the world of sports. Major League Baseball, uh, we're learning this afternoon of the passing of Tyler Skaggs, the pitcher for the uh, Angels. And somebody who came up through the ranks uh, through their organization, which meant he had time in the state of Utah. Yeah, Tyler Skaggs had uh, participated with the Orem Owls and then played a lot, pitched a lot of innings for the Salt Lake Bees. In fact, when I used to be the executive producer for Salt Lake Bees Radio, I would, you know, I'd keep track of Tyler Skaggs' innings, stats, runs given up, and all that stuff. Um, and and I know that when I would uh, um, edit interviews for for Steve Klauke and such for his show. Um, you know, he did quite a few with Tyler, and Tyler was always so gracious and funny with Steve and had a great sense of humor. Uh, devastating, devastating passing for the uh, Los Angeles, the Vanaheim Angels, for the, ML, for the Major League and Minor League Baseball world as well. Um, our, our thoughts and uh, condolences and prayers go out to the, the Skaggs family, that's for sure. Yeah, sad story. Uh, last thing to, uh, to touch on is our pick six. No, we don't need to talk about it. Let's just skip it. Let's just go to the Women's World Cup. The things that happened... Uh, over the weekend, needless to say, no one cares. Quick recap: I won. <laughs> Ajay lost. <laughs> I'm, I I got handled in this one. Oh man, I'm so angry, dude! And you gotta start eating your snacks. I'm not gonna sit here and buy you snacks. We're gonna stick them in your drawer, let them go stale, and throw them away. I was eating them. I ate some of my other snacks earlier today. Oh yeah, and I saw you chuck a whole bag of Twizzlers away. Yeah, they, they were hard. Shame on you. <laughs> they were. They were. <laughs> they've been left out. <laughs> I had to suck on them for like 20 minutes. We got to go. We got to go. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> uh, tomorrow, we'll recap what happened with uh, oh, yeah, man. Uh, Wimbledon's underway. We need the FIFA button. Women's World Cup. Yeah, we'll have to recap the England match. Yeah, a lot of fun stuff still on tap uh, over the next couple of days. So we'll have it all here on the Full Court Press. Good See night. you tomorrow, everybody. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. Madison Square Garden in New York City is known as the Mecca of Basketball. But its storied history is starting to feel like a relic of a past time. Now all the action is across the river in Brooklyn. The Nets made a huge statement by signing Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and DeAndre Jordan Sunday night. 
It's a big accomplishment for Brooklyn. It also has to be considered a huge loss for the Knicks team that cleared space to make a big splash in free agency. The Nets are taking a risk with Durant's Achilles injury, a risk that reportedly scared the Knicks. Still, if you're trying to get fans excited, Brooklyn nailed it. The NBA is a league of stars. The Nets will have to wait a year for KD, but now they're the cool kids in the block. Once they're fully assembled, they could be great. As for the Knicks, still rebuilding. We'll see how that plays out for a fan base that expects to contend, even though they haven't won in a very long time. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.